God, Lord, you are such a powerful and good and awesome God. And we're just so thankful for your faithfulness and all that you've done for us. Lord, what a blessing you are. And Father, we just pray that you would speak to us right now. Open our hearts to be receptive to your spirit. Challenge us with your word. Change us this morning. And we lift up all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, bud. All right, well, good morning. I am excited to be here this morning. Um, it's awesome to kind of get up here and be able to teach with you guys. Uh, it's been a while. Um, I'm really excited for a couple reasons. Um, actually, mainly because I get the opportunity to, to close out this series on being waitlisted. We've been talking about that over the last four weeks of waiting on God. And I don't know about you guys, um, but for me, I am not a patient person. Okay? I am not. Um, if there's something that I want to do, uh, if there's something that uh, I want to, to go buy, uh, if there's anything that I'm excited about, I want to be able to do it as quickly as possible, okay? Waiting is something I've had to learn how to wait as I've gotten older, and I'm still not very good at it. For me, one of the things that I was always really impatient about growing up was Christmas morning, right? Like, I could not wait until Christmas morning. Christmas Eve, I could not sleep worth a wink. I mean, it, it was, I'd go, we'd go to bed, and we'd, we went to bed late too. Like we always went to bed like 11 o'clock or midnight or something like that. And I'd be still laying in my bed like this at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And I just, I couldn't go to sleep because I couldn't wait to get up under that tree and find out what it was I going to get for Christmas. And it was so bad. <laughs> Me and my sister on several occasions we got up at like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning. We go downstairs. We played with our toys for like an hour and went back to bed and woke up with our parents so they could see us, get to see our presents, okay? So that's how impatient I was. And kind of going along the theme, I, I, I'm going to ask a question. I got a prize here. I got cosmic brownies. Okay, yes. All right? Cosmic brownies. And I, the question is this. No phones. The person that can get closest to this number without going over, okay, will win these cosmic brownies. And as this, as of today, how many days is it till Christmas? Levi. One eighty-seven. I'll get, take two more. Two hundred. Two hundred seventeen. There is our winner. Our winner is two hundred seventeen. Because, oops, let me see if I can get it to work. All right. It is 237, so here's your cosmic brownies. Congratulations, Marie. Now she can share with a few people. There's quite a few in there, okay? All right, you know what? I just decided I'm going to have to bring this down here because I will break my neck. I can't sit still, and there's steps there, and that's just not a good idea. All right, so Christmas, you know, Christmas is something we can't wait. Now, I don't know about you guys. When do you guys start counting down for Christmas? December? Like December 1st? Okay, what else? November? Yeah, that's like Kaylee, November, like the minute November gets here. What? Anybody else? Thanksgiving. That, in our household, with the exception of Kaylee, it's, it's around Thanksgiving weekend. Like you have Thanksgiving on Thursday, and then on Sunday is usually when we get out the decorations, and we start putting the tree up and all the things that Sunday after Thanksgiving. So that's kind of our official. But the minute November 1st comes around, Kaylee's like, Can this, this many days until Christmas? I'm like, I can't even think about it at that point. All right. Anybody else? October? Wow, you love Christmas for sure. Yeah, there's some people that really are counting down like right now. 
Like, I, I can't even think about Christmas at this point. So I do love Christmas, um, but, but thinking about it in October is a little early for me. So how many of you have had an Advent calendar before? It's just an Advent calendar? It's probably only our oldest people. Okay, good. Just a few of you. That was a, it was a calendar that December 1st, you get it. It'd be like this 3D kind of calendar thing, and you had the, each day of the week of Dece- uh, month of December, and you punch the first hole out, and you have a little piece of chocolate in there, Right? So, that, so like a lot of people would do that. December 1st would be kind of when they first started counting down for Christmas. So we got, just in case, parents, you only got 237 days left, okay? All right, so going on to our, our series this morning. So we've been talking about waiting, and I know a lot of times we don't like to wait um, for Christmas, but there's a lot of things that we don't like to wait for. Um, and so this Waiting on God series that we've been doing has really been a really good series, um, it, it, it's one of those things where um, as we get older, we think we get better at it. But I, what I think I find is I just get more impatient about different things um, as I've gotten older. Um, but I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys. The word waitlisted, this whole series, I hate that word. I, I, hate, I hate that word. And I'll tell you why. I've had a personal experience of being waitlisted. And actually, it ends up being a really good thing. But... Um, some of you are, maybe have experienced that word, either right now or you're getting ready to, all right? But when you think of the word waitlisted, what do you guys think of waitlisted? College, that's exactly right. And that's why I hate that word, all right? So most of you probably know I'm a pretty big Wolfpack fan, right? NC State all the way, go Pack, right? Yeah, yeah, boo-boo, whatever. Okay, I'm a Wolfpack fan. I went to NC State. I love North Carolina State University. But what a lot of you don't know, some of the adults know this story, okay? And if you've heard it before, I apologize. But most of you students probably don't know, I grew up a huge Carolina fan, okay? I grew up a huge Carolina fan. No, no, it got better. It got better. <laughs> um, I grew up this big Carolina fan. My goal in life was to attend the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I mean, it was just ingrained within me. I, that, there was no other exception. And... Uh, you know, it was one of those things where everybody, all my friends, everybody in my high school knew Tony's going to Carolina. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. And so they would be playing, you know, when you get to Carolina, you're going to get to do this. Or then the group of us that were going to be going together, they're like, hey, we're go- let's go do these things. Hey, which dorm are you going to stay in? I mean, it was all being planned out. We, we all had it figured out. And so um, when you apply to college, you get one of three answers. Okay, you get accepted. You get not accepted, or you get waitlisted, okay? Waitlisted means that you weren't good enough to get in the first time, so we're going to hold a spot, and if one of those people that we did give it to decides that they don't want to come, we might let you come in, okay? That's why I don't like the word waitlisted, all right? So I remember, you know, it was this big deal, and, and you know what? Carolina does the same thing. Duke and State now do the same thing. I got into NC State in the very beginning of December. I got early admission into state. I got into Appalachian State University, and I got to tell you this. The only reason I applied to North Carolina State University is because my mother made me. My mother made me. She's like, you, you need to apply to state. I'm like, Mom, if I don't go to UNC, I'm going to Appalachian. I've got this all figured out. I'm 17. I know everything, right? So... So I get it all figured out, got into state, got into Appalachian, but Carolina back then, and they even do, like I said, do now, and State and Duke do this now too, is they kind of make you wait. 
for everybody, not just the wait list, for everybody. So it's like the end of January, middle of February before you find out. All right, so you find out about everybody else in like December, early January. They make you make wait a month, a month and a half longer, right? So I, I just couldn't, I, I, I was just waiting for that letter. And I remember, okay, when I was in high school, we had this, this new piece of technology that you've never seen before called a payphone, okay? Have you guys even seen a payphone before? No, no. Thanks for being honest. I appreciate that. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a box. You put money in it, okay? Wow. Um, yeah, so in between, we had these two buildings in our high school, and there was this breezeway that connected them, and there was these two payphones that you can make a phone call, like if you need to call your parents or if you needed to get a ride to come pick up from practice or something like that, you had to have a quarter, okay? You put it in there, you dial the number, and you only had so many minutes to talk. You couldn't be really wordy with it, okay? Because after your money ran out, the call just hung up on you, okay? So I, my dad usually got home early afternoons, and I knew when the mail came. So I would call periodically sometimes during the week, say, Dad, did, you, did the letter come in? Dad, did the letter? No, not come in yet, son, not come in. And so I remember that day I picked up the phone and called. He said, hey, look, there's an envelope here from North Carolina. And I said, open it. He says, son, you sure you want me to do this on the phone? I said, yeah, let's do it on the phone. So he opens it up and he says, you know, basically he said, dear Tony Gazelle, um, you have been put on the waiting list for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I was crushed. I was crushed, y'all. That like all my dreams had gone down. Life just can't get any worse. Right? All my dreams were crashing. I had it all figured out. Everything was figured out. My plans, I, I couldn't, you know, and I was so mad. And I always, after I made that phone call, I, the building right there, I would go to my next class. And the girl that I was dating at the time, we would pass by in the hallway before we went to the class. And I come stomping with my little attitude, all mad and frustrated because I got waitlisted. And she asked me what's wrong. And I said, I said, I just got waitlisted from Carolina. And I just walked into the classroom just like that. And y'all, this is how ridiculous this was. My girlfriend cried for me because I didn't get into Carolina. Now, that's pretty, that's drama. That's teenage drama, okay? And I was a part of it. I admit that. So I don't like the word waitlisted. I just, I just don't like the word waitlisted. But the truth is, the reality of life is we have to wait, right? And, and over this series, we've had a lot of great speakers, uh, Mike and Drew have done a wonderful job, and we talked about in that first week, God's got a plan for us, but we might have to wait for it, right? Um, God sometimes answers things immediately, but a lot of times, God's plan is for us to wait some things out a little bit, okay? Um, then we talked about while we're waiting, God is faithful, that even though we're waiting and we're trying to figure out what God's going to do in our life, He continues to be faithful to us, okay? And then Drew talked last week about while uh, we are waiting, God listens, and, and so he really emphasized the importance of us going to God repeatedly, connecting with God. The closer we are with God, the more he hears us, the more we know he hears us, the more we can kind of spur ourselves through the time of waiting whenever God is, is waiting with us. But today, what we're going to talk about, the last part of this series is when you're waiting on God, don't give up. We're going to be talking about how do you persevere when you're waiting? Because sometimes you wait 30 minutes which seems like forever, but sometimes you wait days, weeks, or years. And in the case of the example we're going to look at this morning, decades, okay? And that's a long time. That's a really, really long time. So how do you persevere? How do you continue to have hope? How do you move through that time of waiting 
um, and not give up. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And our example this morning is Joseph. He is going to be our example of perseverance through waiting. Okay. Now, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of hit some highlights in Joseph's life. Okay, we're not going to read because it's a lot of scripture here. But I'm going to kind of summarize a few things. Okay, And then we're going to talk about and we're going to look at his example. And how was it that after all those years of waiting... Uh, how he was able to persevere and work through those situations. And then we're going to take that and say, okay, what is it? How can we then continue to have hope when we are trying to wait? Okay? Now, a few things we need to talk about Joseph. He's a life of being waitlisted. From the beginning of this passage, uh, Genesis chapter 37 is what we're going to look at. And if you want to read everything about the life of Joseph, pretty much the last part of whole, all of Genesis is about Joseph. So Genesis 37 to like chapter 50, the last chapter in Genesis is all about Joseph, okay? He has a life of being waitlisted. The, the, from when we're starting here this morning to where he, God's plan for him comes into fruition, it's over 20 years, okay? 20 years, that's a long time, okay? Now, let's talk about his life a little bit and, and what happened. So the first thing we need to talk about is there were some awkward family relationships, some really awkward family relationships. Joseph comes from a family of 12 boys, all right? Some of you moms are like going, holy moly, 12 boys in a household. 12 boys. He was number 11 of 12, okay? And th there was kind of a problem here. And the problem is this. Joseph's father, Jacob, who was also called Israel, clearly loved Joseph more than everybody else. He kind of made it, he made it clear that Joseph was his favorite. In fact, um, Joseph... I mean, uh, at one point, Jacob makes him this special coat, right? The coat of many colors that he gave to Joseph. Nobody else got one of those. Now, just think about what the other 10 brothers that are older than him are thinking about, right? Like, that's really got to gall them. That's really got to bug them a lot. That what's so special about Joseph? He gets a special coat and we don't, right? So there was a lot of bitterness and a lot of resentment there. And if you really think about it, Jacob put Joseph in a very awkward situation by showing such high levels of favoritism towards him. And, and it even talks about that a lot of times Joseph would go and give report to his dad about his brothers. Like, I think these guys got in trouble a lot, right? So he was kind of seen as this tattletale, and dad loves him more than he loves everybody else. So th this created some really awkward family dynamics from the beginning. Well, when Joseph is 17, with the age of some of you guys in here, God gives him this special ability. He's a dreamer, and God speaks to him through dreams. And so Joseph... There's some ignorance here, okay? <clears throat> Joseph goes, he goes running to his brothers and says, y'all, God, just, I, I had this dream, and let me tell you what God told me in this dream. He said, we were all working out in the fields, and my, we were bundling the sheaves of wheat. And guess what? My sheaf was taller than your sheaf. And man, you won't believe this, but your 11 sheaves surrounded my sheaf and bowed down to it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, how do you think that flew over? Not, not very good, right? They really hated him at that point. And the, the word of God uses the word hate. Like they resented him that deeply. And then later on, he has this other dream. This other dream. And this time he tells Jacob, his dad, and his brothers. And he goes, hey, dad, guys, listen up. God just gave me a dream. And let me tell you what's going to happen. He said, in my dream, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And even Jacob, who... This is, Joseph is his favorite, right? Jacob goes, step off a little bit, son. You really think that me, your mom, and your brothers are going to be bowing down to you? 
You're getting a little bit, you know, obnoxious about this. But it, the Bible does say that, but Jacob put this in his mind after this happened. He never forgot about these dreams that Joseph was having. And see, God was telling Joseph that he was going to become a great man for his family. That his family was going to look to him to lead them and carry them through something. And so God reveals this plan to Joseph, but it causes some pretty awkward family relationships. Okay. Next thing we're going to see is he ends up being sold into slavery by his brothers. So one day his brothers are in Shechem, uh, which is a really funny named town not too far away from where they were, and with the sheep. And so um, Jacob's father, I mean Joseph's father, Jacob, too many J's, um, tells me, say, hey, look, go check on your, your brothers, see how the sheep are doing, and come back and give me a report. And when I was reading that, preparing for this lesson, I got to realizing, you know, we tend to see uh, Joseph as a tattletale, but I kind of wonder if his dad sometimes kind of put him up to it. Like, Joseph was the favorite, and I wonder if he kind of sent Joseph to kind of go take a look at the, the older brothers, because they must have gotten in trouble a lot, and say, come tell me what they're, make sure they're not getting into any trouble, right? So he sends him off to Shechem to go find his brothers, and his brothers are, are, see him coming from a long way off, and they go, oh, great, here comes Dreamer Boy I mean, his pretty coat. Let's kill him. That's a jump, big jump, but that's exactly where they went. They see him coming from a long way off, and they say, let's kill him. Their bitterness, okay, was so deep that the first thing they saw, thought of when they saw him and their dad wasn't around is, we want to kill him. And they were dead serious. Now, I know many of you guys have siblings, and I've seen you guys here on Wednesday nights, and you're in your little groups of friends, and you're talking, or you're playing volleyball or basketball, and then your brother or sister shows up, and you go, uh... They're like, please don't embarrass me, or, or, or please just stay with your friends, or please don't do it. But hopefully, you don't go to the extreme and say, let's kill them, okay? All right, these guys went to that extreme. They were ready. They were going to kill them. So what they do, Joseph shows up. They strip him of that coat. They cannot stand that coat, okay? And rather than kill him, though, one of the brothers goes, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into a pit, okay? With the, you know, just throw him into a pit. Now, I mean, that's better than murder, I guess, but let's not call this guy a hero, okay? So they decide to throw him into a pit, and then they just go and eat their lunch. And while they're eating their lunch, they decide, you know what? Rather than have his blood on our hands if he were to die in the pit, let's just sell him into slavery. We can be done with him, and there's no blood in our hands. So they say, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. So they go, they get him up out of the pit. There's this slave trading caravan coming in. They sell him for 20 pieces of silver. They sell him as a slave. Okay, and they're like, ah, finally we're done with the dreamer boy. We're good to go, all right? So this is Joseph's life so far. Okay, so God tells Joseph he's got this plan. And right now, think about what's going through Joseph's mind. My family hates me to the point that they wanted to kill me, but instead of kill me, they just sold me into slavery, okay? He's got to be wondering kind of what's going on. Then the next step is he ends up being unjustly cast into prison. So real quick, when he gets to Egypt, God's hand is on Joseph. He blesses him all throughout this situation. He ends up being the slave in Potiphar's house. Okay, now Potiphar was really way up there in the, the, the court of Egypt. Okay? He was the captain of the guard. And by being the captain of the guard, he was a really high-ranking official and was really probably just a few levels below Pharaoh himself. So Potiphar brings Joseph in. He starts off as a slave, but God so blesses Joseph in the eyes of Potiphar that he gains more responsibility and ultimately becomes the head of the household 
right? All of Potiphar's household is under Joseph's authority other than Potiphar himself and his wife, all right? So, you know, God blesses him through this. A slave attaining that level of status is unheard of. Um, But God allowed Potiphar's household to continue to reap great reward and benefits from that. So Joseph is kind of the head of the household, but there was a problem. And the problem is Joseph was cursed with really good looks. I completely can relate. um, And it doesn't just say good looks. He wasn't, ladies, he wasn't just like good looking. He was was like handsome in form and appearance. So he didn't just have a pretty face. He was like, you know, the man, the stud. And so, so, so good looking is him. And, you know, Potiphar, look, he's captain of the guard. He's not home very much, right? He's not. He, he's got a lot going on, so he's gone, and Potiphar's wife's kind of like, this is a good-looking guy. I kind of like this Joseph guy. So she, she throws herself at him, basically, and she, and, and she flat-out says, come lay with me. That's what she says. And Joseph's like, hey, no, what, you know, I can't do that. That, that. My master has given me responsibility over this household, and I've got responsibility over everything except you. No, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to go against God. And he, he turned her down left and right. One day... She just, she's really gets serious about it, and she comes and she grabs him on his cloak, and he realizes, okay, this is a bad situation. I got to get out of here. So he just falls out of his cloak and runs, and she's so upset about being rejected and embarrassed about his rejection that she screams out to the men in the household, and she basically accuses him of trying to assault her and saying, see, he left his cloak here. He was trying to take advantage of me. And so, of course, what do you think happens? Potiphar finds out about this, and he ends up being unjustly cast into prison. So think about that. He's trying to do the right thing. Like, he's just doing his job. He's being a responsible person. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And he makes the right choice for what God wants him to do, for his master and for himself, and avoiding this situation, and he ends up being unjustly cast into prison. And so you look at the situation with Joseph, and at this point, it's, I think it's probably he's been 10 years in Egypt at this point, okay? So again, 10 years ago is when he has this dream that God's got this great plan for him. And now he's in prison. And you got to be thinking, what is going through Joseph's mind at this point? It's like, okay, God, when is this going to happen? Talk about waiting on God. Uh, You know, I'm just doing what you want me to do, and, and yet... You put me in this situation. I don't understand. That's got to be going through his mind. And then you look at how was it that Joseph was able to ultimately remain faithful during all this. And then there's a passage of scripture here, Genesis 39, 20 through 23. And I really love this passage of scripture. And And it says this, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of this prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, I don't know if I've ever heard of a story and where a prisoner is put in charge of the entire prison. But that's exactly what happened in Joseph's situation. 
and this, there's a couple things in this passage. Number one, it says a lot about God's faithfulness, right? It shows that God was faithful because it just said that in the eyes of the keeper of the prison, jo- Joseph was just, could do no wrong. They, they just trusted him. And they gave him increasing responsibilities to the point where he was running the prison as a prisoner. He can't leave, but he can tell everybody else what to do. That's pretty interesting. Okay? And it also says a lot about Joseph. Because Joseph, to be in this situation, yes, God was blessing him in the eyes of Potiphar. God did bless him in the eyes of the keeper of the prison. But also, Joseph had to continue to be excellent in the situation he was in. And we know that because he must have demonstrated incredible work ethic, integrity, and faithfulness and responsibilities for them to, to do those, to give him those responsibilities. And so he's like, you know what, God, I don't know what, he had to been saying, I don't know what you're going to do. I, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know what you, where you said I'm going to be. And so all I know is the situation I'm in, I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to do the best I can as a slave. I'm going to do the best I can as a prisoner. And we'll just let you take the reins from there. And that's what allowed Joseph, that and God's faithfulness carried him through that time, ultimately he ends up ruling, all but ruling Egypt. Okay, he becomes the head of the nation of Egypt just below Pharaoh himself. Okay, and there's a lot of other things that God accomplishes through him, including saving his family and the nation of Israel because of all that he's gone through. But that's not what we're going to focus on, that result. The idea is he was faithful, he continued to have hope throughout his time of waiting. Right? And just again, to kind of run through that. Joseph never gave up. God had a plan. Joseph just knew that God was going to do something in which his family was going to become dependent on him, that they were going to need him to lead them and take care of them. Okay? We know that God was faithful. And we see that again, time and time again, when he says that, man, uh, that, that he was seen with fa- in favor of the eyes of Potiphar, and he was seen with favor in the eyes of the keeper of the prison. Okay? God continued to work through his life. We also see that God was listening. Again, certainly there were times where um, Joseph wasn't very happy about the circumstances he was in. Surely when his brothers cast him in the well or sold him into slavery, he must have been crying out to God, Lord, what, what, why am I going through this? What's going on? Right? Praying to God for him to deliver him from this situation. And you know how God's hand has got to be upon him because any other person... And go back to the situation with Potiphar's wife. Any other person in that situation would have been killed. He should have been killed. But instead he was cast into prison, kept alive, so that God could do something greater through him later. Okay, That's God's favor on him. That's God listening and answering his prayer. He should have died. The Bible doesn't say it. I'm adding a little bit in here, but I bet you there was a risk of him being killed for that. And he must have been praying, and God listened, and God protected him. Okay? And lastly, God never gave up on Joseph, and actually Joseph never gave up on God because of that. Again, he had to have um, continued, he continued to give his best in every situation he was in. I don't know about you, but if I became a slave, I don't know how hard I would work to try and impress my master. Or being thrown into prison, how hard I would work to to try and... uh, become the head of the prison. I mean, I don't think that's what Joseph was trying to do. He just continued to be faithful in what he was doing every single day. And it was recognized by other people. And he ended up gaining those responsibilities, not because he was trying to do that, but because God's favor was on him and he just gave the best in the situation that he has. And so you might be saying, well, Tony, that's wonderful. 
Joseph waited for over 20 years for his situation to fall into place. And it's great that he continued to have hope and remain faithful. But how do I do that? How do, how, do we, how do we continue to have faith? How do we continue to not give up when we're going through these difficult times? Because the truth is, waiting for this length of period of time, especially when you're talking about it looks like your life could be over multiple times, that's a hard thing to persevere through. So we're going to be tying in all the last four weeks into how we not give up when we're going through our periods of waiting, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> The first thing is this, talk to God and don't stop. We need to be talking to God and don't stop. Really, this is kind of what Drew was saying last week. God's listening, right? He listens when we're waiting. And the truth is, the more we talk to God, the closer we are going to be in our relationship with him. And the more we, the closer we are to God, the more likely we are to see him working through our circumstances and to see hope despite the difficulty that we're going through, okay? So it's really, really important to talk to God and don't stop. And the don't stop is really important because what we consider waiting and needing to be patient is a lot different than God. So a lot of times for us, we will talk to God for the first few days or few weeks of a situation. But when it draws out to months and years, sometimes we just kind of give up on it and we stop praying about it and we just want to say, you know what? I I just don't see what God's going to do in this circumstance. Don't stop because God's Purpose, just like for Joseph, it could be 20 years you have to wait for whatever he's saying he's going to do in your life. We have to be willing to wait through that. So talk to God, don't stop. Secondly, talk to other people. Now, I really probably should have changed it to talk to other godly people or other Christians, okay? There are godly men and women and friends in your life that you need to talk to when you're going through that period of waiting or difficult circumstances. Right now, if, you're on a, you, know, if, if you come on Wednesday nights, you've got life group leaders, that are involved with your group. Maybe you're in a D group, a D group leader, your parents, or a Christian mentor. Somebody that you can trust to, to maybe help talk you through those difficult times. And, you know, cr- Christian friends as well. Surrounding yourself with Christian friends is really important. Not because you're only supposed to hang out with Christian friends, because you're not. You can't do what God wants you to do if you're only around Christians all the time. But we do have to spend some time fellowshipping together around each other so that we can encourage each other through difficult times. You have experiences that you can offer that group that nobody else have. Or you have an insight to a situation that maybe other people won't have. Or they will for you. And and when you're going through a difficult situation, when you're waiting forever, like I was waiting to go to college, man, to have some Christian friends around me that could say, hey, you know what? God's got a plan. I, I don't know what he's doing through this, but, you know, maybe there's a reason why he wants you to get in later. Or maybe he doesn't want you to go to Carolina at all. You, who knows? But that person that can be on the outside looking in from a Christian perspective, it's really good to have that. Okay? So talking with other people through the, the challenges and circumstances you're going through is going to be really important to help you to go, okay, that was encouraging. I, I don't need to give up. I don't need to quit. I can continue to work through this. Okay? This is the one I want to focus on the most, is remember who God is. Remember who God is. You serve the sovereign God of the universe. Sovereign God, do you know what the word sovereign means? Anybody? Do what? Control? To be in control? Basically, what sovereignty means is God answers to nobody. He answers to nobody. 
God will implement his will, and it will be done the way he wants it done. So what that means is, is when God has a plan, despite all that's going wrong in your life, or despite how long you're having to wait, or despite what this person's doing and getting to have the, these wonderful opportunities, and you don't, doesn't really matter, because he's the sovereign God. And if he said, this, I have a plan for you, he's going to get you there. The sovereign God of the universe. It is an amazing thing to be able to have access to the God who created the world in six days, okay? And uh, uh, how many of you have been on a cruise ship? Anybody? I haven't, okay? I have not been on a cruise ship. I would love to be. My wife's been on a couple of them. I've never been. What are some of the things you can do on a cruise ship? Do what? Drink. <laughs> you can't. Hopefully you don't, but especially in here. Okay, but people do, right? But, but straight up, legit, that's a choice, right? There, there's a lot of that going on on a cruise ship, okay? Play basketball, okay? You can play basketball. You know, just yell it. Lay out, eat. That's my favorite part. That is why I want to go on a cruise. I want to eat all that stuff. Like, I can get up at whatever time I want to get up, I can go eat. I can go to the pool, then I can go eat again. Then I can go take a nap. I can go eat again. I can, two o'clock in the morning, I can go eat. That, that to me sounds like a dream. All right? So you can eat. What else? Swim. Okay? Anything else? You can go on excursions. Okay? Drown? Hopefully not. But? Okay? Shop? Surfboarding. Yes. A lot of them, look, they've got like wave pools now. You can go shoot skeet. Did you know that? You can shoot skeet off the back of a cruise ship. They have driving ranges on some of these things. Do what? Bungee jumping. Okay. So these, all these things. Now, most of these things sound pretty exciting and pretty cool, right? But there's some bad things that could happen too. Like you might have to wait real long in the line for karaoke and not get your chance. Or maybe, maybe the food ends up not being that good. Or I, now this is what I've heard. When you get, go to the formal dining, and I could be wrong about this, but you get like assigned to people at your table, the people at your table might not be really fun to talk to. That could be bad. Or heaven forbid you get food poisoning or the norovirus breaks out and everybody's stuck to their cabins for the rest of the, the ship, right? So here's the deal. Where is that ship going to go? To an island. So let's say you're going to the Bahamas. The ship's going to the Bahamas, right? Who's taking you there? The captain. The captain's going to get the cruise ship. So that seven-day cruise ship, you're heading to the Bahamas. The entire time, there's all these choices, all these experiences, good, bad. All these things are taking place and happening. But here's what's going on. Despite all the right, the wrong, the good, the bad, the wonderful experiences, the, the laying out, whatever it is, is you end up going where you're supposed to go in the end. Because the captain is directing the ship. And the ship is going to pull into port in seven days. You're going to end up in the Bahamas. That is kind of like God in your life. God is the captain of the ship. And despite all the, the choices you, you're going through or the difficulty or the challenges or the failures, he's got a plan. And because he's got a plan, he's going to get you where you need to go. So if we remember that, that he is the sovereign God of the universe, we remember who he is, it's a lot easier to go, you know what? I don't know what you're doing, God, but I trust because of who you are. That, that I just need to continue to push forward through this and that you're going to do something through this circumstance. The next point is this, is remember who you are in Christ. And this really builds off the previous one, but remembering who you are in Christ is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. 
You belong to him. You are a son or a daughter. That means you are heirs to God's inheritance, which is the eternal kingdom, heaven, eternity with God forever. Perfection, okay? That is who you are in Christ. So because if you remember who God is and because you are a child of God, you have a very special place in his plan and he certainly is looking out for you and is going to direct you and he's going to speak to you and he's going to hear you and he's going to be faithful to you because you are his. Very important that we remember who we are in Christ. So when you're waiting for years or going through that very difficult circumstance, remember who you are in Christ and who it is that you belong to. And lastly is this. Choose hope. Choose hope. See, our culture today has taken hope and made it into an emotion. See, you can only have hope when you feel good about your circumstances. I can only, feel ho- I can only have hope when I feel hopeful. If only when things are good do I have hope. The problem with that is, is, is hope is a choice. It's a choice to actively choose to, despite my circumstances, I'm going to hope and trust in God through this situation. Go back and look at Joseph's life. Do you think he felt hope when he got thrown into that pit with his brothers? Do you think he felt good about his circumstances when he got sold into slavery? Do we really think that when he was cast into prison unjustly, especially after all these years of things kind of not going like they should be for him based on what God had been telling him, do you think he felt really good about things and like, man, I feel really hopeful today, God. Things are going good. No, he couldn't have. Because by our very human nature, when we're going through those circumstances, we feel sorry for ourselves and we struggle and we cry out and we don't know what to do. And and my point is this, is hope is not a feeling. Hope is not an emotion. You don't have to get yourself revved up for it. You don't have to even feel good about it. You just have to choose it. Actively choosing to hope and what God's doing. Actively choosing to remember that the sovereign God of the universe is in control of this ship. And he's directing the path. And you're going to end up where you need to go. And because of that, you're going to choose to hope. I don't feel hopeful. I want to quit. I want to give up. I don't want to continue to push myself through this. But I'm going to choose to anyway. Because of who God is. And because he has got a purpose and a plan in this. So that's my challenge to you this morning. Is to choose hope. And, and to remember, when you're waiting, know that God loves you and God has an incredible plan for you. And through that circumstance, he's going to do great things in your life. Real quick, closing for me. Me being waitlisted was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Um, because by, by being waitlisted for, for Carolina, I had to start taking seriously some other options for college that I hadn't taken at that point. So I started visiting North Carolina State University and really got excited about it. Had some really good experiences uh, going to the campus. I ended up meeting my lovely wife there. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and let me tell you this. The most incredible four years of spiritual growth that I have ever had in my life took place those four years that I was at State. Because a guy by the name of Todd Smith decided to disciple me and just challenged me. And if I had not, if I had done what I wanted to do, if I didn't wait on God for God to show me what he wanted me to do, I'd have made the wrong choice. And I ended up being so much more blessed waiting on God. So wait on God. He definitely knows what's best for you, okay? Let's close in a word of prayer. Gracious God, Lord, we just want to thank you that you are such a faithful and powerful God. 
Lord, we, we got to confess, we don't always understand what you're trying to do. We can't always see the, the path that you're taking us down. But Lord, we do know that you love us, that you're concerned for us, and that you always want to do what is best for us. And sometimes what is best for us isn't what we think is best for us. It's what you know is best for us. And Lord, help us to understand that patience is just about trusting in you. Lord, that we would choose to actively hope and knowing those things about who you are, hoping that you're going to take us where we need to go. And Lord, help us to have the encouragement, the, the discipline to, to continue to persevere during, during those very difficult times when we're waiting to see you do your great work. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray that you would uh, work through us this week and help us to make changes in, in the lives of people around us each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.